previously on the Risen Evil podcast. Well, there's no no, no ways about saying it. It's absolutely god awful. <laughs> if you do, you get more out of it. Definitely, it's, it's kind of like the book we just talking about with with the Outbreak games. There's more meat to the bones of the story. Chris Redfield is the only returning aspect from previous games, although that's kind of an ironic statement given how he looked and sounded in the game. You know, he was a stranger to pretty much all of us. As much as you can put on rose-tinted glasses, I just don't think modern players want to play camera angle games anymore. Oh, it's essential if you're a fan of the Paul Anderson live-action films, because you will get a hard-on over that intro sequence. And welcome to episode 68 and a very special edition of the Resident Evil podcast, recording live from a rural snow-covered village in Romania. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us today. He's our resident law detective. It's the Batman. Hello there. Long-term fan, long-term optimist. It's Stars Tyrant. Hello. He's our biggest Resident Evil fan. He has a website which tells us so. It's Romby. Hello. And finally, he's the architect we all aspire to hire. It's George Trevor. Hello. Coming up on today's podcast, we are delighted to be able to share with you our thoughts on the very soon-to-be-released Resident Evil Village. With a huge thank you to Capcom, we will be providing our non-spoiler review analysis of this brand new Biohazard entry. Needless to say, we are very excited that we've been able to play this early and share our thoughts with you. Fans of the series who want to go into the game not knowing storyline spoilers, be assured that there'll be none of that here. Nope, not at all. This will be covered in a future podcast but for now we'll be looking at the key aspects of this title and asking ourselves that all important question what did we think of village this is a very special podcast so there's no news there is no quiz just 100% pure village hey now think positively all right we talked about this i know we hardly talk about anything else Someone please tell me what the hell is going on here. No, the place is full of nothing but blood and death. Well, well, Ethan Winters, there you are. Resident Evil Village, 
this is, of course, the hotly anticipated next chapter in the RE franchise, and also the first direct sequel to a previous game since Code Veronica. We rejoin the hero of Resident Evil 7, Ethan Winters, after he is plunged into another biohazardous catastrophe, seemingly featuring werewolves, witches, and creatures of the occult. Returning Chris Redfield looks to have gone rogue in killing Mia in front of Ethan, and takes Baby Rose to the snowy Romanian village where all hell breaks loose. Quite the setup, I think you all agree. So, before we delve into what we can, what are your brief impressions of the game overall? Uh, if we can do this, this is going to be an art in not spoiling things. Batman, we'll start with you. Well... I've been through the game a couple of times and I think I've experienced everything there is to see and I'm pleased to say I enjoyed it very much. Capcom really are masters of the craft when it comes to creating these detailed locations and environments. The look and overall aesthetic of the village is superb and I have a feeling this is going to become one of the series' most popular locations. The snow-dusted landscape really does look gorgeous and this is complemented once again by brilliant sound design. I think the game itself is very fun to play. I think Capcom have addressed criticisms of Resident Evil 7 by including a much wider variety of enemies this time round. Though I have to say, I don't think all of them will be to everyone's taste. The addition of the Duke is a fun one, and it was nice to see the return of the RE4 item box. The storyline, whilst I know we can't go into specifics, does benefit by being a direct sequel to Seven rather than another standalone game. And certain questions are answered, whilst of course creating countless new ones at the same time. And I think when the time comes, fans will enjoy piecing everything together and theorising where things could lead next. But yeah, I I think it's a worthy entry into the series um i thought for the most part it was excellent but there were certain things i didn't particularly enjoy but overall yeah very pleased good stuff good stuff Star Starren. yeah i came away very impressed with it and as someone who uh, you know waxes lyrical about how much i enjoyed seven it was nice to see uh you know a continuation of that you know ethan is back and that'll be to you know not everybody's tastes and that's absolutely fine um obviously the first person view mode carries on um very very effective in the world that they've built around it this time it really embraces it a little sad that there's no um, VR as I think certain set pieces and things in this game would have been exceptional so hopefully there'll be something like that down the line but really yeah kind of echo what John says you know not everything will work to everybody's taste he's quite right in saying the storyline is you know compelling and interesting um, and goes down some avenues that I think will surprise and divide uh, it's safe to say but I just think um, it's another solid entry at times absolutely exceptional it must be said so yeah I came away very very pleased with it I think this will be a game that the fan base and the community will dissect and discuss quite heavily over the next few months I would say I think this is going to be going to be an interesting one to see how the community take let's leave my opener <laughs> as that for what it's worth I completely agree I think this is going to be a game that is talked about not months I mean I think we, this could be talked up right up to the day of release of Resident Evil 9 from my personal view I thought this is the the best story of a Resident Evil game since Resident Evil 5. For me, it ticked a lot of boxes. I love Ethan, and I think he's great that he's come back. And I was so fully immersed with his storyline in 7 that it naturally took over in Village, and I loved his adventure or misadventures. The storyline is generally quite a shocking one towards the latter end of the game, and I think fans are going to be really intrigued about where they go with this particular narrative and how it unfolds. But I, for one, will wholeheartedly praise the storyline for this. I think John's right as well. They've broadened the B.O.W., profile which i think was necessary from seven and there are some bits that do venture into the nonsensical one particular part i think will be criticized quite heavily but that's okay that's fine that's fine but overall it is a really really fun game scary dead scary in some parts 
and tension field in quite a lot of the other areas. So I think it ticks a lot of boxes. And I think fans will be on the whole quite pleased. Rombi, what did you think? I, I think I'm pretty much on the same page as you guys. I think there's a lot of things about this game that are absolutely stunning. And I think some people are going to be very surprised with some of the, the ways it goes. I think there's obviously going to be a few things that are going to be contentious and people, depending on their history and where, where they like and whether or not they like Seven. I think, I think the one thing I really want to touch on that you guys haven't is just how much this is indebted to the idea of being an actual sequel. And much like Five, you probably do need to have some understanding of the story going in it's going to only benefit you. If you were to play this as your first game and not play Seven or Epsi, any of the things practically for promoting our podcast, but the last episode we went through, you know, the, the road to village, what you should be playing, I definitely stand by by pretty much everything we picked because they're going to give you a better benefit towards the, the story in this and the game, but in particular Seven. If you haven't played Seven, you need to play that. And I think that's the reason why Capcom is really focused on that double pack that has, you know, both games together because it's only going to benefit you in the long run because this is, is a direct continuation. So on that front, it's it's worth, uh, if you haven't ever played 7, if we're putting it off, you'd, you'd want to do that before you even tried to play this one, I think. Capcom released that video of a catch-up of Resident Evil 7, didn't they? That's on the game as well. You can, yep, watch, that, you can watch that video as a kind of catch-up. Right at the start, exactly. And, I mean, it catches on all the bases, but I guess it's the difference between that and actually playing the game. You know, you're probably going to learn the mechanics of being in first person, and, and as it's been correctly said, they've expanded upon that movement and combat and defense has all has all been increased slightly plus the additions of stuff that been influenced by four as far as like inventory and item upgrades and it's definitely a case of a lot of stuff but it all seemingly works really well and i can't say i wasn't enjoying my entire trip through the whole thing even at the moments where i may have been a little bit questioning of this decision or that decision it still was an enjoyable experience from start to finish okay now go over to george now george you've played the game but you haven't completed it yet i haven't completed it um i'm in a bit of a confused state at the moment I, but that's uh, fine that's fine because your your impressions are very much a bit more than what most people have played so you're still in the very early stages so that will help the listeners kind of mm. relate to where, you know, your kind of viewpoint so what's your initial impression from what you've played so far okay unless you return to the village again I've done all of the village section and I would imagine I'd have to guess at least half of the Castle Dimitrescu you go back to the village don't worry oh I'm pleased <laughs> because interesting picked up upon something that Batman said that so someone that was maybe just dismissed the village a little bit as kind of being more action orientated i thought the atmosphere there was i mean yes the, the game is stunning and it's beautiful but i do have concerns where many of the innovations that capcom employ to kind of progress the series just completely lose sight of the original ingredients of what made this classic survival horror and i am concerned that, that I'm, I'm wanting to be scared in locations wanting to be but but i'm not yeah the village i thought was a fantastic location and yeah i have concerns we'll come on to them in more detail whether on this podcast or, or maybe more so when we have the more detailed one but for me it's kind of one step forward and two steps back i'm finding some of the enemies rather camp finding cutscenes, situations that happen in cutscenes leave me confused a narrative needs to be immersive but it's not immersive if you're constantly asking why are antagonists behaving in completely contradictory ways to their dialogue, acting frustrated that a protagonist has escaped their grasp, yet when they have that protagonist, they do nothing to actually incarcerate them, but smashing them through a floor, and I find it more comedic than scary. So, But we'll come on to details like 
true. Cause, I mean, yeah, I think there's always that. Why didn't the nemesis kill Jill in the apartment when he had her? But you know. anyway, it's a really valid point. Actually, that's good. So thank you for that, everyone, for those brief impressions. What we want to do is try and review this as much as we can to give uh, our listeners the opportunity to make their own mind up about whether the, the, this is a game they want to play. So the big question, as I see it, as a fan before I played it, was how does this game feel? We're back in first person, so it's kind of got the hallmarks of Resident Evil Seven, and we know that was quite a, a you know a, an accurate survival horror experience, if you want to call it that. It was quite engaging, it was quite scary. But then we started to learn from the trailers that we've got the merchant back, and we've got enemy dropping items as well. We've seen that in the demo, and then we've seen weapon upgrades happening, and we're starting to tread very much into the territory of Resident Evil Four. Of course, Resident Evil Four is the gaming world's darling, and it's a you know it's a fabulous game. But not everyone in the Resident Evil community felt that it was a particularly good Resident Evil game because it went down a particular more survival action route, which is fine, not a problem at all. I've always thought, where does this game sit between that? Can it do the things that it wants to do, as Rombie kind of alluded to? There's a lot of stuff going on here. What's the balance like? How does it feel You know, in, in terms of the overall progression? What tag would you give it? Is it survival horror? These are big questions, uh, but this is what I think people will want to know. It's a beautiful hybrid of Resident Evil 7 and 4 with some world building from uh, arguably the original game in terms of like the castle and the aesthetics and whatnot they employ there Um, and anyone who's played the castle demo or the maiden demo will know the kind of feeling that the castle dimitrescu gives you so you've got the gameplay and the movement and much of the combat of resident evil 7 with a lot of the gameplay mechanics that were introduced in 4 such as treasure hunting and merchants and i say merchants plural it's just a singular merchant this time you know weapon upgrades and things like that and and um on paper, that probably sounds like a disaster, but it's actually testament to the, you know, exceptional design of the game that it all actually gels quite well. It does feel a little bit video gamey at times in a way that I don't think Seven did. Seven was an incredibly immersive experience, which kept the sort of video game tropes quite minimum, whereas this embraces itself as a video game very fully, I think, which I think is fair to say. You know, so you will get, you know, big items dropping from uh, enemies as you kill them, and, and it's a valid criticism that it can be a little bit immersion breaking i think that's fair i don't have a problem with the enemies dropping ammo because it's no real difference to you know in resident evil 3 finding ammo on a dead mercenary it's just the balance you know and the amount of ammo that you find so as long as ammo is still an issue conservation of ammo and you know that that classic part of survival horror then i don't have a problem with you know enemies dropping them the sections i enjoyed the most were down in the dungeons with those enemies the, the stalker enemies and and them hunting you and yeah it did feel video gamey yes but at the same time very immersive and, and very tense my only concerns were then when you go into the palace is that it just seems very sparse and you know i have to qualify every, everything i say with the fact that i was playing on casual mode <laughs> that's um, fine i will say just the item drops there is a bit of lore behind some of them mm, we obviously try not to, to talk too much about it but there is a for some of the main enemy item drops there is a little bit of lore. i guess the idea that if anyway in gaming if it is ammo based if an enemy drops ammo you could almost say well it was in their pockets or something it's not hard coin you know, oh, they're carrying some coins in their pocket. I don't mind it too much, but it, we've talked about this in the past when, you know, you're shooting animals out of the sky and they're always dropping, like, hundreds of coins. <laughs> I can understand a coin might have been in their beak or something, you know, but <laughs> hundreds? Mm. <laughs> 
I mean, the Duke at the end of the day, he is the same gameplay element as Resident Evil 4. It's practically identical. Mm. He's got more of a personality, but it's up to you as an individual how much you're going to let him break your gaming experience. I mean, there's one area, I know we can't talk about it again, but it's one of the more horror-focused segments of the game. So you can come through that feeling quite unnerved, and then the next minute you could be hunting a pig to make some sort of dish that you're going to get the Duke to knock up for you. So, you know, it's up to you whether you let that break the experience for you or you just embrace race it as a, as a fun gameplay mechanic. You know, he does have the same problems as Resident Evil 4. He'll turn up in quite nonsensical locations occasionally, but it's really not that bad. But going back to your original point, Nick, I think one of the things Resident Evil 7 had going for it was claustrophobia. You know, it was a real sort of enclosed environment in that Baker house and you knew Jack was never too far away. Whereas this feels different for me because you're obviously outside and it feels vast and it encourages exploration a lot more. I certainly wouldn't put it in the same action bracket as Resident Evil 5 or 6, but it's, it's more an adventure um, you're encouraged to explore one little example I'll give is you, you know you're coming through one part of the village and there's a completely optional section you don't need to go there at all but if you do you can go on a little boat ride in several different directions you can find optional puzzles story files that have connections to previous games and even optional boss fights if you wanted and, and you don't even have to do those things if you don't want to and I think that's what gives village a big advantage over seven it is worth saying as well that direct ammo doesn't drop from the enemies it's items that contribute to crafting additional ammo that's just something i wanted to clarify there before any of the listeners go crazy i'm gonna say on that four to seven element here like i think the game is well balanced to take some of the better bits of four and the better elements retained from seven and create a new hybrid and listening to the way that john's explaining how things are optional the way that the world works is very different than four or seven which kind of want a singular narrative there still is this going on in village but you can go off at points in the game and return to other areas and explore and i think that gives it definitely its own unique identity and as nick also alluded to the environment itself adds a lot to that kind of the, the style of it adds a certain thing so it's an interesting thing it's like i mean can we talk about this in the sense that i i think we're all on the same page that if there's some truth to them remaking four at this point i'm like this is already halfway there and it's not bad you know but I don't think I want to see an actual remake. I think this is a good way of doing it. Invoke the styles of what came before, because I think this is the right path for that, rather than an all-out remake. You have enough touchstones, so... Absolutely. I mean, you know, John's little description there of going on a boat ride, you know, that should give the listeners an idea of how much this... Would we call it beautifully homages some of the stuff that's in mm. Evil 4? Or just directly lifts at times... <laughs> Yeah, but not in a detrimental way, which is the surprising thing to me. I think that's it. I kind of thought any time it was going to lift or, or evoke it, it was going to be hokey. But most of the time, it was actually kind of nice because it was reframed within the version that's explained in the story. Not that they're directly lifting it and making it a narrative point, but more that it works for this narrative. So if you come across an area that kind of feels a little bit like one from four, it's probably because it's inspired as such, but it's just a modern take and it works within this context and it doesn't need that explaining it doesn't need if you if you hadn't played for you wouldn't get it but it wouldn't be at a detriment to village it still would make village work i think is what i'm getting at i wanted to just come in about the point about i mean batman makes a good point about the duke and how he can break up 
you know, the atmosphere, you know, you can be doing something that can be causing you, you know, it's very unnerving. And then suddenly you get this almost cartoonish over the top camp character that you're having to perform tasks for. And, you know, look, I'm trying to immerse myself in, in, in the survival horror. And yet I can hear him making these rather uncomfortable noises as he fidgets about. And I'm not even in the room that he's in. I'm actually in the main <laughs> hallway. He's kind of making these sort of stereotypical sort of large man trying to move around in his seat noises. And, uh, you know, imagine, I mean, all joking aside, place him in one of the save rooms in the Spencer mansion and, and how atmosphere breaking would that be? And and he's playing that exact role for me in the palace. And it's, for example, it's the same with the Banshees. I found myself often walking around a very beautiful and lavish castle that was sort of more glam than gothic. It's just covered in gold. It, you know, it, it's beautiful, but, you know, Ferrari is beautiful. It doesn't make it scary, you know, and, and I wanted to be scared and this should have had a feeling of Dracula's castle and I should have been constantly like I am with Silent Hill, turning around, literally checking there's nothing coming up behind me. And again, I was on casual mode, but the three banches, they offer this kind of camp like Benny Hill type chase around a castle making these sort of slightly sexual innuendos and yes sexualization is very important in vampire lore but as a honey trap not just to make some sort of little quip you know about man's blood that again it looked beautiful but wasn't scary it's an interesting point because obviously you know the scare factor is a huge part of resident evil i certainly had a lot of jump moments playing the game i think i've had more jump scares in this game than i've ever had in any resident evil and that's not to its detriment because people will be like oh jump scares but well crafted well set up ones i was quite impressed and i think to knowing where gt's up to they don't really start until kind of now where he's up to up until now it's all been relatively village based and then like the introduction to where you're up to and you're about where you are as partway through the castle it's very different i think as the game goes on to go back to it then we've spoken about how it feels compared to seven and four one of the main points that the developers and capcom were talking about was that the village is itself is its almost own character i don't know about you but there was a feeling towards the latter stages of the game that the village was almost home you become so familiar with it you knew exactly where you were going you know there's a couple of shortcuts isn't there through doors that are locked unopened and there's a broken wall and you kind of oh yeah I'll just pop there and you, you do quickly learn your way around and as the question is did it fulfill that promotion that it was almost like a separate entity if you're like, almost <laughs> a separate character it's very hard to judge yeah I mean the uh, problem is when you're dealing with a series that has some of the most inventive you know creatures and things like that when they literally say oh you know the village is a character you know you assume it's going to be potentially this living breathing entity that shifts and changes and and you know it's not a spoiler to say that really happen but it certainly does feel you know grounded and one of the testaments i can always say to the world building in a resident evil game is that if you can get to the point where you don't even need a map to navigate it that's the best credit i could give to a a world builder or level designer and certainly by the end you know you do know the village layout off by art one thing that adds to the character of the village is the passage of time as you go through the game you know it starts out early morning and it's snowing lightly but then you progress to late afternoon and the sun comes out and the village is Bast in this like really gorgeous golden glow and then it starts to get towards night time and that gives it another atmosphere it's just i love the sort of change in weather as you progress through the game i think it really helped you know the feel of the village come to life a lot more mm. 
and it gives a different it? feel as the day goes in you know was, some things that were quite bright were a bit more scary looking with the the evening light you know like, oh god that looks a bit more menacing than it did a couple of hours ago i mean some of the pre-release discussions that were going on and you know, interviews with the developers and how they even the fact that it's got snow and it was you know was an influence based on just what happened while they were doing their research and i think that element adds to it you know the snowy mountain and the fact that you see different times of day and light and stuff it, it does create an entirely different atmosphere and then on top of it you essentially i'm going to say the village is a hub and there are different areas attached and they all have their own unique feels as well but they all feel part of the one environment it's definitely it, it maybe not a character but it's definitely probably will be a, an appreciated environment i think a lot of people will enjoy it and i want to reassure everyone as well that you do get to explore the entirety of the map we do get to go around the whole thing and for the most part it is completely explorable isn't it you can go back to previous areas there's one or two places you can't get back to but for the most part it's completely free roaming isn't it you can go where you want when you want and it satisfies my criteria of a good resident evil game i i can pretty much go back to the beginning towards the end pretty much in this so that's Um, a a big tick on my on my book to me it's the caveat it's i know i don't think it's an issue to say this but you can return to things in a i want to say like castlevania-esque type game where things may become unaccessible at some point but you either gain a key or an ability or an experience to be able to get through those areas again to the point where you can get back in before a certain point in the game before it finally concludes and it's it's a very standardized game system and it works well for this because it allows you to go back and research for areas that things you may have missed and um, go back and pick up items that you may have somehow not picked up or didn't have room for or you know stuff like that so it's, it's it works well for the game's environment i think it does a very very good job of making it feel more open world you know it really gave a feeling of kind of having particularly the earlier sections in the village you know wandering around getting you know i want to get lost the castle for example is a perfect example of that there isn't really any area and either you can't access but it's a very thought out path on how you access things at various points and you may come across a door that's locked but it's usually locked on the other side and eventually you'll get to that other side or and it's there's a lot of planning that's gone into making that whole layout work and that you explore most of it you know intentionally but there's a few areas you can explore you know of your own volition and things to go back and unlock and and this sort of stuff and it's it's full of little secrets but for the most part there's some very very sensible planning through the whole game in that respect you might come through the village now and the game is directing you in one direction for the intent that later on you'll come back later and you'll look at other stuff or you'll come across something and go it'll mark it on your map and you'll go right cool i must remember to come back and check on that later when i think i've got the item i need for that and i i think from a gameplay perspective it's very very thorough and very well thought out and it's one of the probably the things i like the most out of it is just the game element design on that level is is very good it does take me back to the original game where there's a path through that mansion it feels like it's kind of open and you can take your way you know around the spencer mansion but realistically there's always going to be a bit of a narrative flow somewhere you just have to find it eventually and there's definitely that sort of stuff going on in village which i really appreciated as you said it's very classic re isn't it it feels open but you know that there's a clear path that you can go down and i think that's great from my personal point of view if you are a fan of doing the exploring and there's a lot and environmental storytelling you're gonna love it you're gonna love it because you can spend absolutely ages just you know having a mosey around and seeing mm. what's going on i mean you know the the beginning part i was quite happy just chilling out there to be brutally honest it was great it was wonderful yeah. and you know there is so much just to look 
out in the village, in, in the houses. And this is where I think there's a huge difference between 4 and 7. Resident Evil 4 looked nice. It still looks nice. You know, the village looks, you know, intimidating. But if you actually stop and look around what's going on in the village or Pueblo, whatever you want to call it, there's probably only about one or two houses that are actually livable. Everything else is either a shack or, a you know, a bit of a church or whatnot. Or a barn or, or yep. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of actual houses. This is the total opposite direction. Every house or every building is pretty much a house. And, you've, you know, you'd have seen Louisa's house in the demo, for example. They're all like that. But they've all got a bit of individuality towards them. You know, some houses are, you know, still in quite good condition because they've been locked up for a long time and you need a key to get in there. Some houses have been absolutely trashed. That I find to be really interesting and you know, you can get up close and personal. The crouch mechanic from Resident Evil 7 is back. So you can, you know, really get under tables and have a good mooching round. And there is so much just to gauge from it. And from a graphical point of view, regardless of what system you're on, and we'll talk about, about some of the differences that we've noticed between the generations, this is one visually impressive title. But it's not just that. I think the juxtaposition is the point. The village has an audio sound of, you know, constant wind and there's rattling noises and it's supposed to be its thing. And I think character-wise, and I guess it's no... I mean, we've had enough promotional stuff for the castle and for the residents of the castle. I think the whole idea is there's an aristocratic level going on here and that they're very wealthy. And and I think from a visual standpoint, I think the castle shows that. But it's also in somewhat of a state of disrepair in places and it's got weird little caverns. And, and so I think it's an interesting juxtaposition because as you've pointed out, you can go through certain parts of it and it's very different than others. It's funny because we, we go back to, to four and people were talking about how obviously a lot of influence from from Spanish design and obviously a visit by the Capcom development team you know in the early 2000s this is obviously Romania and it's so crazy to me I spent a few months in Romania and I I've sent a few images to some of the guys in here and just aesthetically they've nailed the design it's talking about those village the very old style wooden buildings the church that's got the paint on it you know like these things that are in that that you know we can see in the demo as well like they are very on point and it's it, it, to me that adds that flavor i know it's not a modern society in this but most of what i visited in Romania is modern they would just have these old buildings and old churches and stuff and that's where capcom's really taken their influence from and, and i and i dig it i think it looks really cool and I think it, it works for what they want to sell as this old village and why it would have things in it that, that you know, I'm not going to talk about because of spoilers, but kind of historical, you know, where they're going with this design. Look, I, I really do dig that. And I think the castle is part of that. I feel like it's this very aristocrat castle of its age and, you know, the Desians therein. And yeah, for me, it works. I just wanted to um, quickly mention as well, because I know there was some concerns within the community over some of like the, the Duke's mechanics with like the animal hunting and things like this. This is worth saying is absolutely not an open world game in the way that you would imagine it's certainly not a sandbox experience it's a lot more laser focused and refined mm. so people need not worry you've you know you've not got you know vast sprawling landscapes with no idea which way to go or anything like that it, it's open enough to give you the illusion that it's it expanses into various directions and whatnot but it is laser focused you won't be wandering aimlessly for ages like you can do in you know equivalent sandbox experiences and things as, as I said, Sean, I think the best way to describe it is on that um, Metroidvania, Castlevania kind of thing yeah, where you, you've got a map and you you can 
access certain areas with certain abilities but this is you know for certain things that you'll need access or stuff that you'll see on the map that you'll come back to later and i think it's all very well pointed out and i think the map system is is very good too i want to talk then briefly about the inventory and the crafting system because again that's another well not the crafting but the, the inventory system is is another homage to resident evil 4 in fact it is identical isn't it you can do pretty much everything you can move your items around and then there's you know a temp item box if you like comes up and you can switch it around i found myself not using it as much as i did in resident evil 4 i don't think i ever seemed to seem to run out of space in order for that to be an issue but i, I had to buy the bigger cases a couple of times i think the I'm only saying. difference is your, your key items are kept completely separate aren't they you know like key quest keys and emblems and, and things and, and crafting items are kept separately until craft stuff yes so, yes yeah. so you, you pick up the herb it doesn't go into your inventory yeah. it just goes into your whatever your craft menu so yeah i mean with the crafting i, I was a bit critical from the demo because I, I really struggled with the menu system i didn't i struggled to see how it was working and what i was actually clicking on um, i'm not sure if it's the most intuitive menu design but I, I think once you get used to it it's okay and by the end i knew exactly what i was doing it tells you how many items yeah. you've got how many gunpowder you've got and that kind of thing and what you need in order to get I th- the item you want. I think the flaw in there is the fact that like you've got big icons for what you're going to craft, but the actual inventory items of what you've got is a very small row above it, and it's very hard to decipher that when you're, especially if you're, imagine you're in a panic, you know, you're trying to go, oh, I need health item. Have I got enough? It tells you, which is great, but then you go, oh, maybe I should get some more ammo, and then you like start looking at it, and you're trying to read that little thing. It is one of the little bugbears I had with it as well. I just basically end up ignoring that and just saying, well, can I do this? No, I can't. All right. <laughs> you know, it just ends up becoming a game of not even bothering to look at it and just working out whether or not I can just craft it, the material I want. Do I want these bullets? Do I want this thing? There's the usual risk reward with this thing as well, isn't there? You know, do you yeah. take out more, more enemies in order to get better crafting items, things like that? But then you risk um, health for doing so, you know. And then huh. selling things to get more money, etc. I tended to um, sideline the crafting mechanic until I actually just needed something. So if I found myself in a situation like where I ran out of shotgun shells, I'd just quickly nip into the menu and, and craft some. But most of the time I try and like not rely on it, so I always have it as a backup resource. That's just how I've always chosen to play these kind of games. I think the inventory system works really well, and again, it, this does you know this is this is this is confirmation to those of you who weren't quite sure it does come however at the expense of item boxes which do not return unfortunately the asset does <laughs> <It's a ruin. laughs> spoiler there is a hidden item box in the game but it is not we're gonna go box. hunting that out now <laughs> yes i'm gonna take this time as a side i've found a few times through the game the item market display for where you're looking for things to be very finicky it's not as finessed as i think it's been in previous games there was one puzzle and i'm not going to talk about the puzzle in any detail but the puzzle i know sean knows this because i asked him about it let's just let's um, just say we have to manipulate some objects yeah, and there was multiple objects, and I thought one of them was fixed in place, and it was not coming up with an icon for me, no matter how much I moved around it. <laughs> and so I moved the other bits, and it still wasn't, and I'm like, I've got this right, I know I have, you can't move that, so that can't move, but I put all the others where they should be, couldn't figure it out, and then I moved around the statue to like this, so I've said statue, I moved around this object to exactly where I needed apparently this one specific spot and then the icon appeared and I was like oh I can actually move this and I had that a few times and I also have had one and I'm not the only one I know John's had it as well one particular item is 
locked behind something that only triggers with a certain event and neither of us got the event and yet it's a bit weird that it even is and it doesn't trigger if you're too late in the game so yeah. there's been a few little niggly frustratingly weird but bits that may get patched you know at some point who knows replayability replayability <laughs> you know do it again to trigger the event that kind of thing but yeah there, there's lots there's lots of those little things about it yeah i mean um, rob's not entirely wrong with what he says there though i mean there are times where like you'll be potentially stuck with not knowing what to do and it almost feels like instead of actually trying to look for the solution you're looking for the prompt to come up so you go oh that's where i need to be mm. That to me is more of a world breaking thing because yeah. I I should be able to visually see it and then all of a sudden it turns out oh that item is actually up really high and I'm looking in that general direction but I, when I was looking in that general direction including that high I was so far back that the icon to tell me I could even pick up that item didn't appear mm. and so you don't know until you're like super close but then you actually have to physically look up but there's no reason why I would look at that it doesn't make yeah. any sense because I didn't know I needed that object until now <laughs> and because I'm thinking the- one in particular but there's a few of those throughout the game and, and and i did a lot of exploring because and this is one benefit the map does color code based on whether or not there are items still remaining so this is something like the original remake had which is great except sometimes you're like there's an extra item in here and you're like thinking you'll look everywhere and yeah they can't be find the most, yeah okay. they'll find, find them in the weirdest of places which is kind of cool it's like a little mini treasure hunt in of itself but we did some important story item <laughs> and um the psycho stimulants do not return to help you out this time either Mm. Okay, let's move on then to talk about the uh, BOWs because there had been a bit of criticism but a bit of concern about how the Lycans in particular were reacting and they seemingly have a different approach to different difficulty levels that you play at least that's what mm. people were experiencing with the demo so without obviously spoiling all the BOWs and we've already mentioned there's a lot more in this game than 7 so they've, they really have taken on board by my count nearly a good dozen of I, new I was going to say, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that even in the Lycans alone there's the variety of design in them is probably yes. the highest of enemy type that capcom's ever made there is such a variety of looks um yes you can see that, yeah yeah it's very good what did everyone think then about the lichens in particular we can definitely talk a bit more, a lot more about them i like the fact that they want to eat you i think there's something quite primordial about a monster that wants to eat you because the Ganados and the Magini didn't want to eat you they just wanted to kill you and there is a subtle difference between wanting to rip your head off and you know feast on the goo inside than there is compared to someone who just wants to see your heart stop so I like the fact that all these monsters wanted to eat you I just want to get a quick caveat out of the way first before I talk about the lichens this game as was shown in the demo and it's worth confirming for the final game as well do not go in expecting damage mechanics that you would have seen in like Resident Evil 2 Remake and things like that. It is arguably a step back that this game doesn't do those kind of things. You can't, like, you know, they, they react to where you shoot them, of course, but there's no actual, like, visual, there's no visual destruction that occurs to their bodies. So I know to some people that will be a little bit disappointing given how well those mechanics were done in uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, and it is a shame they're not uh, not in, but the game is much bigger in scale, so I suppose they had to, you know, change and adjust. Um, the lichens themselves are, are pretty good. They it's worth saying if you go on um, hardcore uh, you get a vastly different experience to what they are like in casual and standard in casual and standard anyone who's played the demo would know they just kind of almost line up single file and walk towards you whereas in hardcore they are actively dodging shots and um, it makes it a very very different experience and I would actually say I don't know really much about the game's um, development 
in in terms of any great detail but i wouldn't be surprised if like the ai you get in the hardcore was probably the original like standard and then realized it was maybe just a bit too hard and scaled it down a little bit because it's definitely a jump when you start seeing them like leaping to the side whenever mm. you try and shoot them and things. It's impressive. Yeah, that's exactly what I, I was going to say. Sean is, is is exactly that. I mean, I I played through on the standard difficulty and then started again, on, and I was just like, wow, this is night and day difference. It's not just that they are tougher to take down because like a harder mode would just expect that, but they are actually actively able to maneuver and jump around, and they seem a little bit more erratic and harder to pinpoint and. I I think it's a really good step up i think if people play through the standard mode to begin with then they're still looking for a challenge even though you know you you, you might go oh well it's, it's next level i'm sure it's not going to be that much different it's it's a nice challenge and i think it's a good counterpoint to how things roll out and, and again i'll be interested to see what if the next difficulty beyond that is got any more changes or if it's really more about the balance of health and damage i think i have to give a bit of kudos and i'll bring Batman in on this, that as you progress through the game, obviously the enemies change but the strategies change as well and it, it doesn't vary too much but, you know, you, you have to be on your toes throughout in order to, you know, try and get through whatever the game's throwing at you and I think they, Capcom are very good at this and they've shown how they do it with the Ganados and the Juavos. They've done it again with this game in being able to offer different strategies depending on the on the hard levels or the harder parts of the game that you're at and I think I think that works really well. I don't think all the BOWs will go down well. I think some of them are a bit out there, but that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. We we can cope with that because on the whole, it ha- you know, it has got that uh, occult feeling, and there is reasons why. If I, if I kind of leave it at that point, Batman, what did what did you think of the the BOWs generally in this game? Improvement over seven. I like the fact there's more of them this time around. You know, there's a lot of different enemy types, which is a good thing. But at the same time, and it's not necessarily Capcom's fault, but they've created so many different BOWs by this point, it's becoming apparent that they are struggling to come up with fresh ideas. Like, I wouldn't say any of the uh, the enemies are particularly original. And I do enjoy some of them, like some of the more sort of Frankenstein's monster-esque BOWs you encounter later on in the game in sort of steampunk environment, shall we say, were quite good. But then they took that concept and created one too many variants and it just became a little bit silly. That, that's my problem with, with the enemies in this game like i know a lot of people weren't fans of the ooze in seven but i think that the ooze were a lot more effective than than anything that's in this game really fighting enemy and unfortunately it's yeah molded not the ooze <laughs> fucking hell my memory um <laughs> the one enemy that really truly terrified me is, is one we can't talk about and i'm looking forward to listening to people's reactions to that but the, the bow's in this game i think you're right they're going to be going to divide opinion you know they're very very divisive yeah they, i mean yeah that, that part and that you're referring to is one of the scariest things hopefully that goes down well again it wouldn't be a spoiler when we're talking about the the, the castle baddies oh, gonna... as well and that's uh, lady dimitrescu by the way that is that is constantly said throughout but uh, <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on it me so much. but we we know the dimitrescu clan are almost like stalker type enemies we've seen that in the pre-release footage I think the stalker elements they do here is actually really effective. You know, when I played the demo as well, the kind of vampire sisters, the daughters, that they do portray that fear. And you can get a couple of shots off on them and they will kind of like disintegrate for a while. But, you know, you know you've know, you got to run, you've got to find what's going on. They're pretty much immortal. And then when Lady D is stalking you throughout the 
castle again it, you know it's reminiscent of mr x uh, in remake 2 and you're listening out and this is where the kind of sound design does come in quite well because you can, you know you can listen out and that is brilliantly done uh, if, if you can listen to this in like surround sound and things like that you can actually you know kind of pinpoint where she is by the sound design so you know she's one tough cookie she's one tough cookie and you, you just need to avoid and get get away from there just like you do with mr x I think it worked very well. I was really pleased with that element. It's seemingly quite a recurring feature now of Resident Evil games. But George, what did, what did you think of going back to the like as well? What did you think of think of them? Because I, I think that these are kind of the first enemies you kind of meet and kind of battle in the game. And for me, they really do well. What a classic Resident Evil enemies should do you know and i i was a huge fan of the molded the two really strong sections for me in seven were when you first meet the molded down in you know kind of the cellars and then the boat section with mir i think are really strong sections in seven and although i've yet to kind of get equivalent unnerving fearsome environments in a i'm i'm hoping to because you know as we said i'm i'm not as progressive in the game as you, as you guys are the lichens yeah they're great you know because they're they're just far enough they're they're close to human kind of being humanoid but just slightly aside from that which is kind of i think the 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 best and sort of the most kind of frightening enemies it's it's when they're taken too fantastical and you get huge troll-like creatures that you would kind of find in monster hunter becomes kind of game breaking for me and that's why you know the banshees and lady dimitrescu you know they're beautifully designed as as an enemy in, in itself particularly i think i'm maybe being a bit harsh on the banshees but actually as a game mechanic in a survival horror game to me they're a bit too camp lady dimitrescu feels just like a meme rather than a nemesis for me i'm afraid i, I wasn't scared by her but I do, I do wonder game. how much is that has been influenced by the fact that she's become a meme <laughs> more so than yeah, you know, it, it, you know it certainly wasn't I get the impression from Capcom it never was intentional for her to become this popular because she was revealed in an earlier trailer before she got kicked off if you like and took off on a life of its own she wasn't new when when all the memes started so I find her a little cartoonish. Um, well, I mean, I don't mind a bit of B movie. The, the, you know, the whole series is founded on. I, I was gonna, and and, the, and this is not because I want to disagree with you, GZ. I can see exactly where you're coming from, but I guess, I guess, isn't the idea that if someone vampiric is there is a bit of campness to it, and I, yeah. and especially when they've gone with a decision to make someone you know nine feet tall, and I mean, there's clearly a design concept into making this character unique before the meme ability came to it they just wanted a very unique character design and the and the three daughters and stuff so yeah i I can totally see where you're coming from but i may maybe it is because it's been slightly overexposed it would be very different obviously if you played the maiden demo and you the way that ended it kind of took away one of the reveals of this character if you hadn't played that then you'd have at least one more element that when that happened but then i don't think it's a spoiler to say there isn't much of a showcase of that actually happening the same way as it did in the end of the maiden demo in this no it's true so it's kind of a missed opportunity for people who may not have played that demo yeah it's kind of a shame talk about sound design or just in terms of the lack of it but i found it was quite sparse throughout and that was the, the other thing that you know wandering around the castle lack of enemies lack of sound and you know you think about the spencer mansion the crashing of the of the lightning and the thunder outside and and the palace just you know seemed very quiet but... i think it's intentional gt i think the fact that it's a big open space and you're right there's a lot of especially when you're in the earlier stages of it, there's not a lot of people around. It's supposed to be quiet. I think that's... If you listen to the sound design compared to the village itself, it's a, it's a huge disparity. It's, it goes from being a windy, noisy, rustly sounds to quiet because the building's a huge castle. So yeah, yeah. I think that's intentional. Yeah, specifically with the sounds here, 
I do think there is a lack of music generally with the, with the game. There's parts of the game, not necessarily the castle, which I did think benefited from the lack of sound, but there's other parts of the game where there is no sound, and I really think it should have done. It does suffer a bit of the lack of music in the Remake 2 mold, but the actual sound effects and the sound design is, is on point, and I was able to play this game in Dolby Atmos or, you know, the, the kind of, you know, the fake Dolby Atmos that you get. That is incredible. So there's a part where you can hear crows crowing, yes. whatever they <laughs> <Yes>. is. Crowing. <laughs> so you can kind of walk. You can kind of walk under it. So you can, and and you can follow it around. And then you know if you've got the kind of atmos, it, it does kind of give that effect that it goes from you know the front of you as you walk in, and then it kind of goes over you to the back of you. And that's that, that's quite novel. Um, so if if you happen to have that experience, I think that really helps. And as I said, with kind of Lady Dimitrescu, you can you can use that and and surround sound, especially especially in headphones. If you if you can play this in headphones as well, I think you're going to enormously benefit from the game. You can then pinpoint you know what's going on where where someone is, and I think that part of the game is exceptionally well done. The sound effects, the sound effects, effects. battling like either being hunted or particularly when you kind of in the in in the underground sections. Um, there's a few kind of like signature tracks, and they build with tension. I'm sure you guys will recognise one. There's one that's really reminiscent of a track from Alien or Aliens when you're being hunted this kind of screeching kind of sort of violin violins and it's absolutely terrifying like you said that when the sound is there it's phenomenal you see it's, it's funny because you know we were all extremely critical about like a lack of music being used in 2R but I think I just apply a different mindset with certainly 7 and 8 given that you know they've gone for a completely different aesthetic and the mu- the lack of music in both seven and eight never really bothered me. I think it was all, there's a lot of environmental audio, which I get a lot out of actually. And it is just worth saying that when music does happen in village, it's phenomenal. Like the music in this game is absolutely fantastic. It's one of those, the soundtrack will be a belter, believe me, because there's some amazing tracks in there. I, I should have actually said that not sort of necessarily music, but environmental sound i expected a little bit more in the castle again it comes back to i think this is an intentional design gt i think the castle is so dense at least the bit you've played so far it's intentionally quiet to kind of maybe almost lull you into a sense of false security maybe because you've had the opening bit of arriving which is in the demo so everyone kind of knows where you start and it's quiet and you're starting to look around and you get kind of ambushed and stuff goes on and the longer you're in the castle the more the situation intensifies and i think the sound design matches that Mm -hmm. so the further you go on and and as, as nick's alluded to to the point where you there are people walking around and you will hear that and if you're wearing headphones or you have you know surround sound system you will work out where they're coming from from that sound it's probably not a stretch to say and i think people will assume that 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 lady d kind of works a little bit like mr x sometimes and and a point there where she's wandering around and and you hear that and you will hear that noise all right well i think that gives a you know there's so much we could talk about but we, we, we can't so we'll just wait that for the next podcast but what i want to do now because we've all played this game on different consoles so stars rombie and batman are the only three people i know that have a playstation 5 so they they've been able to play on that console which is great. I was on a PlayStation 4. Can I caveat that I was? Yeah, to caveat, I was going to be playing the PS4 copy, and then I found out I had access to PS5. So I was like, well, that's a nice bonus. That was I, was, nice I would have been with you. George, you are, you. you are on Xbox. So from technical point of view, I wasn't on base PS4, but I was on PS4 Slim, which I've been reliably told is basically a base PS4 underneath. 
I had no problems with lag. I had no problems with glitches or anything like that. From my point of view, from start to finish, the game ran smooth. Frame rate was good. I think PS4 does it in 900p, 900p, so it's not quite full HD. I've got, there's only one instance, one instance where I felt, I would say compromised, but disadvantaged by PlayStation 4 technology. It was in a puzzle, and that was a, a bit of a failing. I don't think that was true on other versions. I think it was just because of the graphic fidelity. You struggle to see something you need to see in a particular puzzle. Uh, now I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, okay, I can imagine. The only big difference, I think, and um, you guys can confirm, is loading times. Yeah. yeah when you play game and, and you get the kind of loading symbol, if you like, of a typewriter, yes, typewriters make a return. You're probably talking about a minute, uh, 50 to 60 seconds for the game to start. Uh, otherwise, it, once you get going, there's barely any loading in the time, unless you are on an elevator. So this game likes its elevators. There are lots of lifts going up and down uh, all, all through. And if you're playing on PlayStation 4, you know you would think that some of these lifts are on top of Mount Everest, and you're and you're going halfway to the center of the Earth. It can take a good 50 to 60 seconds. Some of these elevators. And Batman, you confirm that's not the case on PlayStation 5. No. Um, it- went really quickly there was no long load times on the ps5 at all that i noticed no frame rate drops or anything like that the performance overall was pretty solid and this is one beautiful looking game whatever you're looking at so if you can play it in hdr it makes such a world of difference i can't tell you you know being able to see the proper wider color gamut and the you know the whiteness of the you know the brightness of the whites and the darks it really does play a huge role with the the lighting in this game is so fantastic in in places Mm. and it's so dark in some places as well it really does pay to have an hdr mode activated if you can on you just remind me of one of my only little bugbears which is that ethan is in charge of his light (laughs) i really wish i could toggle it myself sometimes because i want to look at the detail i go through an area and i'm like oh could easily want to check that out but he doesn't doesn't want to turn his light on yeah i mean you won't even realize that the playstation 5 has a typewriter loading screen because the moment you hit continue Mm. on the title screen you're within you're you're in the game within two seconds and that's no exaggeration sometimes it's literally that quick oh Um, really oh that's huge so that's, I mean, that's that's certainly um, a, a difference in the kind of loading. It's not game breaking by any means. You know, you just got to sit and bear it, and it's worth it. It's obviously it's, it's optimizing as you're going down. You know, some of these elevators, but um, again, you, you don't see, you don't feel any graphical glitch. I, I I don't feel I was ever playing a you know a, a dumbed down, degraded version, if you like, of Village. Anyone concerned about how it runs on PlayStation Four and uh, Xbox One? Absolutely, myself included. I, I resisted pre-ordering until I actually saw some footage of that running. Do not be concerned about it. It runs fine. It runs beautifully. And there's a couple of shots at the beginning of the game, you know, draw-droppingly gorgeous. Well worth the, the, the price of admission just to, just to do that. And, and then, of course, you've got photo mode, which everyone knows about as well, because that's in the demo. Have fun with that. That's good. You can you can do all sorts of things in photo mode. Take screenshots, change the hue, change the saturation and levels, and all, all sorts you can put logos in and make your perfect image if you like and 
Uh, I think people have a good time with photo mode if you get that pause at exactly the right position. Um, for PlayStation 5 users, I want to personally know, because I've never asked, actually, what was the haptic feedback like and the triggers and all you know all the special gizmos that come with the DualSense? Yeah, so the game does support haptic feedback. Uh, it's not quite as pronounced as what you'd be used to playing things like uh, Astro's Playroom if you've done the, the demo game that came with the PlayStation 5. It's not quite as intense as that, but it, it, it works. I really was won over by the, uh, the triggers in this. And it's only a small, silly little thing, but <clears throat> and you actually do feel like resistance on the right R2 button uh, whenever you're aiming a pistol or anything like that, that you actually do get a mimicked trigger pull, which is a lot of fun. And if you're using something like the sniper rifle, when you aim with L2, you actually get like a heavy resistance on that as well to sort of, you know, give you the impression that it's it's aiming as such. And and they're quite immersive and it works yeah, it, work, it works exceptionally well. PlayStation 5 version also does come with, uh, well, and the Xbox Series X versions, you obviously use ray tracing and whatnot, and you do get some frame rate dips um, in some more intense sections later on. The frame rate does drop a little bit, but if you switch ray tracing off, it's a lock 60 all the time. So it's something to bear in mind if you really do want your buttery smooth 60 frames a second. But in all honesty, the frame rate drops aren't too bad. Uh, if you've got an eye to spot them. Yeah, I was going to say, the ray tracing is, is very subtle. It's there, but I tried some areas with it on and off, and it's very minor in a lot of areas. So if you're not too fussed about a few like reflections and a few highlights of things lighting-wise, it's not a huge loss. It's not like other games where you've got huge amounts of reflections. and Because, well, I guess the irony is there's not a lot of reflections in this otherwise of mirrors and stuff because they're trying to hide, hide Ethan's face still. So... There's nothing of that sort of sort, so it's not one of those games that suffers greatly from a lack of ray tracing. But it's yeah, it really comes down to whether or not you want a locked frame rate or not. But it, as you said, Sean, with with it, it's on. It's not a huge difference. No. Uh, there is one area with the with the triggers which really shines as far as like being able to notice how much it has a, a, an impact. But it's one of the areas we can't really talk about yet, so we will have to come back to it. I have not been saying. able to obviously play this on a Series X yet, but people who played demo have said the variable refresh uh, rate does help any of these dips with ray tracing on so it looks like for the people wondering which version to buy it looks like the series x just edges it to be honest if you've got the equivalent technology to support those modes and things of course yes you're gonna need a very special tv to be able to maximize the vir technology okay we're slowly coming to the end of our non-spoiler review because there is so much to talk about so what i want to do now is actually talk about the storyline something that i kind of started off this podcast by talking about and we're going to tread really carefully here folks batman as someone who is heavily involved with the law and timelines and the, the movement of the series i'm interested to know where you think this storyline is in terms of the overall re position we've already said it's going to be talked about quite a lot i suppose there's two elements there's the in-game storyline as to what you experience as ethan but then there's the overall storyline and how it impacts upon the wider universe where do you think village is in that how do you think it is going to go down and what did you think of of that i think the storyline is going to divide a lot of people i think there there is some really good stuff in there but it also raises a lot of questions as well it's like i touched on at the start of the evening this being a direct sequel to resident evil 7 benefits both games i think there's questions left over from resident evil 7 that are answered here but at the same time there's new elements introduced that will make you question some things that happen in resident evil 7 as well it's pretty obvious 
obvious that the mould is becoming increasingly important and as well as that this game does open up some some other avenues as well in terms of what's happening with various organisations and characters. Yeah, it's it's difficult to go into too much depth really because I, I don't want to give anything away but this game's definitely relevant you know, it, we're not talking about a Resident Evil 4 scenario here where everything happens is going to be largely inconsequential going forward. There's some quite big revelations that occur towards the end and there are a few external elements brought in which sort of give you clues as to what's going to happen in games going forward after this so there's definitely a lot to break down and dissect and I think fans are going to be talking about certain things that happen in this game for months and months. What I really liked about this game was the files I think they're quite detailed, but they, as you play through it, like in good Resident Evil fashion, they give you little hints and tidbits as to what's going on. Um, and, and you feel you are discovering the plot with Ethan. He, he's constantly asking the question, what the hell is going on? As a player, you're asking that question as well. And you start to learn things. And, you know, why has Rose been taken, for example? What's, what's special about Rose and that kind of thing? And you just and you get little bits uh, of information about you know the background. You get those fi- you get those files, and I, I think it, it does build up to this kind of big crescendo. And you know by the end, you're well, I was anyway, hundred percent with Ethan. I was like, come on, come on. <laughs> and um, I've always resonated with him. So some people may not have that same reaction that I did with his story. And I really did like the storyline because I think I think it's a hard balance, isn't it? Because with any game, it's got to be accessible for everyone, and people have got to play the game and go okay i get what's going on but at the same time they're always going to be aware of the wider storyline going on so they've kind of got to bring in other elements and so forth and you know i I think john's right it isn't inconsequential it's big events it does tie into seven you do need to play seven to get a a good understanding and the files there's so many files that relate to what you know what has has happened that really benefit the player if if you've enjoyed and understood what's going on in seven this is all uh, complemented as well by something i think we can talk about i don't think we've been told we're not allowed to mention this but what happens as you progress through the game is that ethan fills out essentially like a journal but the game doesn't tell you it does this so it's well worth always checking back after any sort of key event go back into your into your journal and see what entries he's put in because he periodically fills it out through the game but the game doesn't tell you this and i'd hate for people to miss it because you do get some quite good information um, about like ethan's thought process as he's working through these events so certainly don't miss that and i, and I think we're all right to talk about it i think well we have now and <laughs> again it, quite a rare instance you get you know very specific times and dates of said events which uh, will make your job, Batman, a bit easier going forward with any new timeline. George, we might have to depart from you from this point because obviously you've only touched upon the storyline as it is and you're asking the same question that most fans will be asking. What the hell's going on? So, Romby, you know, how, how do you feel about the in-game storyline and then the overall impact? As I said in my introduction, I think it's really important and, and you've really touched on this again. Is This is a direct sequel and you look at it as part of a, a combined effort. So if you haven't... Yeah, you can watch the opening and and get a gist of seven but i think it would be much more rewarding if you knew the story so if anyone's listening to this and they've got a couple of days before they are going to sit down and play village they've got the time i would highly recommend replaying seven or playing seven if they haven't um if they're really keen to play this i think it's going to be i'm going to be really interested just like the rest of you i think to see what the sort of um aftermath of this is where it goes forward again yeah try not to say anything but there'll be some bits I think it's going to be interesting seeing how the community takes it on board and what 
what they actually pull out from it and what uh, information is imparted in the, in the coming weeks and, and discussions and so forth. I, I think it's it's going to do its job, which is to get people talking about the, the franchise again and where they want to see it and so forth. But I think, I guess, I question the longevity of that too. How long will it last? And if Capcom have something up their sleeve ready to announce not too far away to try and keep the momentum of this going because at this stage we've had a game a year for the last three years basically so yeah i'd be interested to see where this goes as well what that is if you are one of these fans who is invested in the law then i highly recommend you purchase the uh, the trauma pack because gripes about it being included as dlc aside there is an excellent document in there which basically bridges the events between resident evil 7 and 8 it's made up of like newspaper clippings and interview extracts and stuff and it's it really is a good read it answers some questions and it really sets the tone for beginning uh, your experience with resident evil village so i highly recommend you consider buying that and reading it before you start out yes yes absolutely uh, another thing we can briefly talk about is the fact that you can unmercenaries mode once you have completed the game. I haven't spent a lot of time. I've had a couple of games on it, but Sean, you've been spending more time playing mercenaries. What did you think? Yeah, um, it's it's worth saying. It's it's a bizarre thing that they've called it mercenaries because it shares way more in common with the raid mode seen in Revelations uh, one and two. In that it has a sort of preset amount of enemies in a location. You kill the preset amount of enemies and it unlocks the goal. It does, however, carry over from mercenaries the combo system and uh, and and things like that. It's actually it's fun. It's it's about as fun as the raid mode used to be in um, anyone who's dabbled with them too much but you only seem to have the one character it doesn't look like there's any kind of unlocks or anything like that you unlock later stages um, but it, what it really complements and it does it very well is how joyful the, the combat system is in Village The uh, Ethan's much faster to manoeuvre than he was in 7 and uh, I joked to the guys when I'd given Mercenaries a sort of extended play the other day that it felt more like akin to playing um, like you know the more recent Doom game than a Resident Evil game and I say that as a full compliment to sort of how well refined the combat mechanics are in this so yeah it's fun it's like I say it's strange they call it mercenaries because it's way more in common with the raid mode but whether it'll last people a lot because it's not to my knowledge it doesn't look like it's in multiplayer in any kind of way like mercenaries of the past have been and raid modes uh, it looks like all the sort of post game support will be in terms of multiplayer reverse whenever that whenever that comes out mm, it's probably worth mentioning obviously just before the release has been announced that reverse has been delayed to an unknown date um, probably because of issues they had during those beta tests so it was obviously supposed to launch with us and I'd say even if it had been launching we probably wouldn't have been able to play it because the service probably wouldn't go online till launch day but um yeah it was interesting to see that it was delayed after being such a, a big part of the earlier marketing well there we are folks a short and sweet podcast really just to bring an overview of resident evil village we would love to talk more about it but we are not allowed until the next podcast so you can look forward to that we'll be doing our proper law discussion part two if you like of our resident evil review before we leave i wanted to have final thoughts with with the team that have been able to complete it and uh, a score if you like out of 10 george will reserve your score for the next podcast where you yeah so, starting with Star's Tyrant, out of 10, what would you give this? What would you give Resident Evil Village? Well, I, like I said at the beginning, I came away extremely impressed. Not every idea they, they have works. 
Um, there's a couple of uh, a couple of very dubious decisions that they made uh, make along the way, which will divide the audience and the community. Um, some story avenues, like I say, will will challenge. I think it carries on uh, the gameplay of Seven, and that is almost to a fault. I don't think it will necessarily do enough to win the people over who didn't like Seven. I have to be brutally honest there. But for me, as someone who, who embraces the series, trying new things, this is definitely you know pushing forward and creating like a hybrid or a very varying ideas also having a foot in the past in a good way and I think it works in a overall package I found very satisfying and I would say oh god I would say I would probably give it a very strong 8 which for context the con for context and this is going to get weird and I still give 7 a 9 but I might prefer village if that makes any sense. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> no. A confused eight from uh, Star Stone. <laughs> a, strong, a strong eight, though. I want to say I, want to say I came away very satisfied, and I would recommend it to you know anybody who knows what I like from the series. If you, if you share the same sort of interest, you will go away satisfied. It's safe to say. Batman. Yeah, I would largely echo that opinion. Um, I enjoyed it very much. I think it's a good companion piece to Resident Evil 7. Like Sean, I don't think there's anything in here that'll, that'll win over than people who didn't like 7. It's you know it's a very similar kind of experience. But overall, I found it very enjoyable. The environments are great. The enemy variety is good. The story is interesting. And yeah, I think it's a solid 8 out of 10 for me as well. Okay. Uh, Rombu? I think I'm going to take a, a, a tack here just to explain where I... Th- think about this if if i think about something like resident evil 6 which to me was like people threw a bunch of ideas into a pot and tried to like they thinly spread all of them out and just tried doing way too much and it came out with a game that was very uneven and people just liked it for the reasons that it was uneven i think village is the antithesis of that everything feels tightly designed and planned people may not like some of the elements of it but it's not through a lack of too many ideas or throwing every idea in the kitchen sink i think every decision has been made with a much more thought-based process and a lot more intent and much like you guys are saying if you didn't really like seven or you didn't like first person this probably isn't going to change your feelings overall but i think it's an enjoyable experience i think it's a fun game that broaches a bit of action and survival horror yeah i think it's a it's a solid title and i'm going to be very interested to see what the outcomes of some of the decisions both content and narrative wise will be in the community but as an experience it's worth going for and so yeah i'm the same probably an eight out of ten another eights all around i think that's an extremely valid score you know and and i could make a strong argument now for me resident evil 7 is a 10 out of 10 game it's in my S tier of tier maker game. Much to people's criticisms, but that's fine. I don't think it's as good as Seven. I think Seven is a scarier package overall, but there's parts of this which top Seven, if you know what I mean. So I know exactly where Sean's coming from with regards to it. And there's no doubt that people will come away from this game with a smile on their face. They would have enjoyed it. It's got a great storyline, in my opinion. As I said, I think it's the best storyline in a game since Resident Evil 5. And... You know, there's so much to to pick apart and have a discussion about. And, you know, considering the barren years that we've had, you know, in the past decade or so of stories not really going anywhere, I think this one does move the story along very nicely and follows on from what Seven does. And it primarily does what I wanted it to do. 
and to make seven far more important. Um, one of the criticisms of seven was always that it felt like almost like a side story, but I think it has done what Resident Evil 5 did to four and make it important. In fact, I think it's done a better job than what five did. And I think people will agree with me on that once they've read the files. I think this makes you know the whole narrative and you know people like mother miranda and all that far more important and by definition the events of resident 7 there is some controversy and that will come out in the next couple of days and whatnot so we look forward to it i will score it provisionally a nine i think there's enough I, i'm replaying it again on a because i played it on casual difficulty to the surprise of no one and, uh, <laughs> and so i'm going back through it with uh with standard difficulty and i've already seen a huge jump in the skills needed to complete the game casual is very casual there we go and we'll end on that positive note but overall i haven't stopped thinking about the game since i've played it and the questions are still going through my mind a week on so for me, that's got to be a good thing. So that's our provisional review here on the Resident Evil podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity as well for, for Capcom for giving us um, early review codes. Uh, it's a massive honour, and we hopefully have been able to share with our listeners what we thought um, about it, and hopefully that will persuade a few people whether it's their game that they will like going forward. Next podcast will, of course, be our completely spoiler Resident Evil Village review slash lore discussion so uh, once again thank you everyone for listening and uh, feel free to check out our Discord, uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that and um, and the website and the, the website, website. we are all available on our website and links on the website at residentpodcast.com so thank you all for listening and uh, it is goodbye for me Neptune goodbye for me Batman, goodbye for me Stars Tyrant, goodbye for me George Trevor and goodbye for me Rob <laughs>